wasabi wallet, unfairly private. What's up, everyone? I'm Ben with the BTC Sessions, and this is your daily session. Hodl that Bitcoin. Before we dive in, I just want to give a big shout out to sponsors of the show, Ledin.io. This is where you can use your Bitcoin for a few different services. They've, of course, got their Bitcoin backed loans. I've told you guys about these before. This is the first thing I ever used of theirs. It's where you use your Bitcoin as collateral to get a Canadian or US dollar loan. So, in my instance, I was in a pinch. Needed to get my hands on dollars, but I didn't want to sell my Bitcoin, so I parked it in a dedicated address. I got a loan to my bank account within 24 hours. When I paid that back, I got back the exact same Bitcoin back to my wallet. Uh, now, they've also got a couple other things here. They've got their Bitcoin and USDC savings accounts where you can earn up to 7.5% interest. And then they've got their B2X offering, and that uses the same loan mechanism to instantly buy more Bitcoin and effectively double your Bitcoin on the spot. So if you want to check out any of that, there is a link in the show notes down below. Now, if you use the link to get a loan, then they will actually give you 50 bucks worth of Bitcoin for free. So be sure to check that out. And secondly, if you want to help with the show in another way and you're not yet holding your Bitcoin on a hardware wallet, number one, you really should do that. Um, if you're just leaving your Bitcoin on your phone or on your computer, just on a internet connected device, then that puts you at risk of being hacked and having your coins stolen. So using something like a Ledger hardware wallet allows you to store the keys to your money in an offline device that never touches the internet itself and greatly reduces your risk of having your coins stolen. So I happen to have both the Ledger Nano X, the Bluetooth version, and the Ledger Nano S, which is cable only. Um, I use both for different reasons. I use the, the X on the go and the S with my computer. Uh, but both excellent. I do recommend you check them out. If you do check them out using the link down below, of course, that will help the show. With that, let's dive into the news. Uh, so this is uh, a little bit earlier in the week, a couple days ago now, uh, Goldman Sachs put out a report talking about Bitcoin as is it a currency or an asset class? Um, and man, are they just out to lunch and using arguments from 2014. It is really, really kind of sad, some of the arguments that they're making here. Again, it's just a reiteration of all the crap that we heard from 2014, 2015, the same tired arguments that have been debunked a thousand times. Um, so they go into talking about uh, a few different things. One of them that was the most ridiculous that I found uh, was the, the manias talking about, um, first of all, they only allude to the fact that there was one Bitcoin mania and one bubble in 2017, which clearly is just not the case. It's happened time and time again, and it's happened, what, like four, five, six times? It's insane. And they just talk about the last one because the other ones look small in comparison. Um, but in comparing it, they compare it to, of course, tulips, things, something that we've heard a million times before. The tulip bubble for context, lasted, it, it basically was contained within a single calendar year, and most of it was contained to kind of like a few months. Um, Bitcoin's been around for, for 11 years now. So at what point does that argument get tired and boring and, and repetitive? I would say immediately, probably after about a year or two, <laughs> but they're still using it. Um, 
They go on to uh, talk about uh, some of the illicit uses for Bitcoin, talking about how it can be used for illicit means. And they do very much fail to mention that the U.S. dollar is the number one uh, asset used for illicit means on the planet. Um, so once again, just just total non sequiturs that they're using here to kind of try and, I guess, dismantle Bitcoin. Part of me wonders if this was intentional because it, it, it makes it, it makes me think of uh, the big short um, and where uh, at, at one point when all of these these uh, credit default swaps that are being sold and, and have been bought by my Michael Burry, uh, played by Christian Bale in the movie. Um, he's calling, trying to get his money that they owe him, and they're saying, no, 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 your, your, your credit default swaps are, have not gone up in value, even though the mortgage, uh, <laughs> the mortgage market was, was crashing, the housing, housing market was crashing, and he couldn't understand why. It was because they were leveraging themselves up and making sure that they got the same position as him before paying him out. Um, and I'm wondering if this isn't a little bit more of the same, because at this point, 11 years in with a, a, a company like Goldman Sachs, you've got to think they've actually be, you know, doing deeper research than just some shitty bullet points from five years ago. Uh, you got to think they'd have a deeper understanding, especially in the current economic climate that we're in right now, that they'd have a deeper understanding of this. And so part of me wonders if this is them rehashing the same old arguments while they silently in the background start to dabble and learn more and actually understand more than they're saying. Uh, but who knows? Maybe it is just pure ignorance. Um, I wanted to touch on this article on Coindesk from Jill Carlson. She actually used to work for Goldman Sachs, and I'm just going to kind of skip to the end here where she talks about um, kind of maybe their motivations behind this. She said, It would be easy to blame Goldman's poor arguments against Bitcoin on intellectual laziness or a certain strain of stuck-in-the-past thinking. If there is one thing I know from having worked there, however, it's that Goldman Sachs is neither lazy nor slow on the uptake. Rather, I would posit the weakness of Goldman's thesis around Bitcoin is due primarily to the weakness of the industry around Bitcoin in articulating the defining attributes and uses of this paradigm-shifting technology. There are exceptions, to be sure. The, and there are voices for which I am immensely grateful that ring out loud and clear in articulating why Bitcoin is valuable. But they have an arduous task breaking through the din of misinformation and jargon. She goes on to talk a little bit about J.K. Rowling and how we weren't very good at, at swaying her decision on whether Bitcoin is valuable or not. Anyways, she finishes off here by saying if we want the likes of Goldman Sachs uh, to buy Bitcoin or even uh, just want it to be able to make coherent arguments as to why not to buy into Bitcoin then we need as an industry uh, then we as an industry ought to look at the coherence of our own arguments first do more to quiet the noise and work harder to lift up the voices that do make an honest and compelling case so I'm, I kind of agree and disagree here, and I, I'm going to explain what I mean. Number one, um, I do agree that there's no, because of Bitcoin uh, not having a, a CEO, because it's a, a, a protocol that is still kind of just growing in the wild and people can 
take from it what they need and use it as they please. There is no specific narrative of what Bitcoin is and what it can do and why it's important. Um, and so you can see how maybe an entity like Goldman Sachs who is used to actually researching specific numbers and and looking at statements from companies and and seeing outlines of what the trajectory of various uh, companies are, um, they don't have a specific place to look when doing this kind of research. They kind of have to just dig in and and decide for themselves what Bitcoin is. But uh, to the point at the end where Jill says. Uh, we need to uh, ought to look at the coherence of our own arguments first. I agree that uh, I definitely agree with that. Um, everybody should look at their talking points for Bitcoin and try and play devil's advocate and say, well, what what would somebody on the other side say about this? Um, how would they counter my argument and how would I then counter theirs? I do think that we need to, uh, you know, spend some time making sure that ourselves as individuals have sound logic in, in our beliefs. But uh, where she goes on to say, do more to quiet the noise. Um, I think that's what's beautiful about Bitcoin in the first place is that there is noise and the noise is indecipherable from from the the other people that maybe have better points and that you have to actually not trust anybody but verify for yourself. And so when we get into a situation of trying to quiet the noise and lift up the voices that make an honest and compelling case, I'd argue we're already kind of doing it. But I don't think we need to silence or quiet the noise in any way, shape, or form. That's just kind of the inherent nature of Bitcoin. And it's actually a little bit of a gift to people that are early enough and have done enough research to understand the value proposition of Bitcoin itself. You you have that extra time ahead of you to p perhaps stack a few extra sats, to perhaps build up... Uh, your your little nest egg of bitcoin a little bit longer because it's going to be a challenge for institutions like goldman and others and even just other people to understand the value of bitcoin um, and it won't become evident until it's a necessity to use uh, a lot of people don't understand bitcoin until they need it and and so it's we're in a unique position here and i think the last thing we need is to be actively trying to silence people that are incorrect um you know you, you can argue with them you can you can put forth your ideas but i don't think we need to really be silencing any of the noise uh this, it's i kind of value that nobody gets to specifically say what bitcoin is and or isn't uh moving on and I guess in the same vein here, uh, this was tweeted out by Jameson Lobb. He said, fun development this week for anyone who uses Electrum compatible wallets, which includes myself. The lead maintainer of the Electrum X server has snapped and all future releases will be for BSV only, Bitcoin <laughs> Satoshi's vision. I ran a script to hit every publicly available Electrum server I could find 100% are running Electrum X. So basically, if you're using Electrum, uh, you are you're you're now going to eventually be utilizing Bitcoin SV. Now, luckily, we see that uh, where is it? The Electrum devs are stepping up 
to fork and do the right thing. So uh, a, a lot of the developers are stepping in saying, okay, we're just going to fork the project and it will continue to work as expected, uh, but actually use BTC. Bitcoin. Um, and second to that, there was also a plugin created just recently, and you can see it on GitHub as well, and it has instructions. What it does, it allows you to run Electrum, and instead of having to run an Electrum server, you can uh, you can actually just install this this directly to Electrum wallet, and you connect to your Bitcoin full node, uh, like Bitcoin Core, and you can just plunk that in right there and you no longer have to run an Electrum server so you can still use Electrum. So good to see that there's already solutions to this. I don't know what happened with the dude at Electrum and I don't really particularly care. Again, everybody, as the GIF says here on Twitter, fork me. Uh, so that's what we shall do. Moving on. Love to see this. BTC Pay Server receives another grant. This uh, is their seventh, and this one is from OKCoin. They received $100,000. Beautiful to see. Now, I, I brought up uh, grants to BTC Pay Server before. Actually, where I work gave a grant specifically to developer Cucks uh, last time around for $80,000 so that he could focus specifically on BTC Pay and not have to worry about where his income was coming from for the next little bit. Um, so, Again, anything to support this project. BTC Pay is so important. Uh, it was a direct response to BitPay and their shady practices and their misrepresentation of Bitcoin and their shit cornery, I guess, their, their inclination to lean towards things like Bitcoin Cash um, and their support for Segwit2x and a lot of these just shady practices where they were trying to more or less subvert Bitcoin and tell people what is better and what what works and what Bitcoin should be. A lot of people didn't take too kindly to that, not to mention their service was trash. They added in some changes where regular Bitcoin wallets could not even scan their codes for merchants. Uh, that's been changed since because it was just such an utter failure. But besides the point, they, they make Bitcoin seem like a negative experience for a lot of people. And uh, even in, in utilizing uh, BTC or sorry, in utilizing BitPay for uh, certain merchant services, you get uh, charged quite a bit more um, for for Bitcoin and not even necessarily directly relating to Bitcoin transaction fees. Uh, a lot of it just is presented very disingenuously. Um, anyways, besides the point, this project, BTC Pay, was a direct response to their inaccuracies and their... their uh, almost malicious misinformation and creator Nicholas Dorier said, I will make you obsolete and then went quiet for a while and came out with BTC pay server, which is um, permissionless. It is, there's no middleman. You can become a Bitcoin merchant and set up shop and use BTC pay server to accept Bitcoin in your shop uh, very, very easily without the need for any third party to take control of your funds or anything. It's just open source software. It's excellent. So to see these developers getting grants, it's wonderful. Uh, they do go on to say in their blog that a portion of this grant will be used on funding contributors who improve our documentation, ease of development, video materials, UI, 
and UX. Another part will go towards the new Greenfield API, which will allow enterprises and developers to build on BTC Pay Server with greater flexibility. So once again, congratulations to BTC Pay and thanks to OKCoin for making this possible. Uh, now moving on, Bitcoin.org looks like it's going to be uh, changing hands pretty soon. Now, this was originally run by Thamos and Cobra. They're both uh, anonymous Bitcoiners. Thamos was notable because he got a lot of flack for early supposed, I would call it moderation, but some would call it censorship on the R Bitcoin subreddit. Um, and he would essentially anything that was not Bitcoin, he would remove. And Roger Ver took that as censorship. But really, again, it's it's if you're running a, a, a subreddit and it's a specific topic, like if I have a subreddit on dogs and you're bringing in a bunch of topics on cats, I will probably remove that. <laughs> so it's not it's not that you can't say what you want. It's that that particular subreddit is on a specific topic and it doesn't want to talk about something outside of that topic. So besides the point, anyways, Bitcoin.org has long been, in fact, was the original website probably registered by Satoshi. And it has a lot of great information on Bitcoin itself, where to go, wallets, uh, tutorials, different things, how to use Bitcoin. Um, and the other uh, user is, as I said, it goes by the name Cobra. Thamos departed back in April and Cobra also announced that he will gradually reduce his involvement in the website over the course of 2020 and he's looking to put it in somebody else's hands. Now he said he's going to be pretty meticulous about who he puts it in. Now he has shown some support uh, of Bitcoin Cash in the past and some people have questioned whether this is great that it's going to be changing hands again and that uh, that some undesirable people may get control of it. Uh, Roger Ver, in this story on Cointelegraph, actually uh, expressed interest that he would like to buy. In fact, he re responded in a thread and saying he has cash on hand. Um, now, he, he hasn't really done anything outside of that, but it's pretty well known that he would like to uh, acquire it. Um, and I think the interesting thing here is that even if Roger Ver were to get his hands on Bitcoin.org, it would almost be something that contributes to the anti-fragility of Bitcoin itself. Roger Ver, if you don't know, already owns Bitcoin.com, which more or less directs people to buy Bitcoin Cash. He also owns Bitcoin Wallet from Bitcoin.com, which is on the App Store, is one of the first recommendations when you look up Bitcoin Wallet in the App Store. And again, if you hit the button buy Bitcoin, it by default, it takes you to a, a, a window where you're buying Bitcoin cash. And a lot of newcomers don't quite understand what they're buying. Uh, so to say that he's been less than forthcoming in a lot of his dealings is probably the understatement of the century. But regardless... Even with buying Bitcoin.com and owning that, having one of the top Bitcoin wallet, recommended Bitcoin wallets in the App Store, being regularly featured on CNBC and other major news sites, um, Bitcoin Cash is still like 2 to 3% of a Bitcoin at this point. It is clearly not even close to garnering the same kind of support and and 
following as Bitcoin. The network effects are very strong with Bitcoin and nothing has really taken that away. And I would I would posit that Bitcoin Cash has more or less been a colossal failure at this point. And if he were to obtain Bitcoin.org, I think that would change literally nothing about it. Um, just like you don't go to internet.com to find out about the internet, you're not going to go to bitcoin.com or bitcoin.org necessarily um, and believe everything there. And if people went there and they bought Bitcoin cash because bitcoin.org told them to, they would quickly find out they don't have Bitcoin. They'd probably be relatively upset, but they would also learn to question things a bit more and actually do more research into what they're buying. Um, so while I think what he does is shitty and i think that roger ver is incredibly dishonest in the way that he presents his websites and and funnels people into bitcoin cash instead of bitcoin um in the long run it's just contributing to uh bitcoin's i guess immunity to these social attacks Finally, I wanted to touch on this article that Emmy over at the Bitsy Academy wrote. Um, Emmy just started working for us just recently. She she dropped another article last week, which I brought up. But this one is about Bitcoin and commerce. And so, again, a lot of this also, I guess, beckons back to the previous story regarding Roger Ver and Bitcoin Cash and things like that. Um, it, Early on, Bitcoin was touted as like a, a, a merchant solution and a lot of people tried to promote it in that way and push it as like, a, hey, let's get more merchants to adopt this first and then people will adopt Bitcoin, which was a little bit backwards. And now we're seeing the opposite with things like Lolly and things like uh, uh, just any sort of sats back programs like Fold um, where you get the asset in the hands of people first and then they start to learn at, uh, about it. Um, and so in this instance, some of these new tactics are treating it as almost as if like it's a reward point um, for spending. And so I think that will be a far more successful tactic and get people questioning and learning about Bitcoin when they see their their rewards points, quote unquote, start to go up in value over time. I think that's a far better way to get into the minds and hearts of individuals that haven't dove down the rabbit hole yet. So this article that Emmy has written is about, uh, and I'll quote it here, Bitcoin and commerce, the bumpy and unapologetic road to merchant adoption. And so it goes through the history of Bitcoin and kind of how it came about, the scenario in which it came about, um, the early uses in commerce. Of course, there was, you know, the Silk Road and WikiLeaks and some of the, the more controversial things that are originally came up and then the proliferations of things like BitPay and Coinbase in the early days and then it does indeed also beckoning back to previous stories talk about the creation of BTC pay server and and just kind of the use cases and how some of the merchant use cases and consumer use cases are starting to reemerge with things like Lightning Network once again making it easy to do instant and nearly free transactions. Uh, so again I 
it's it's a definitely an in-depth read i highly recommend you check it out and then let me know your thoughts about it do you think it's a a, a good take do you like some of the points is there anything that you would disagree with but um all in all i i quite enjoy it and emmy thank you for writing that for us if you guys do enjoy the fact that i'm really really pushing for bitcoin only and bitcoin specific content on the academy there then please do to give it a read and give it a share um anyways with that I am going to wrap up. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. If you're here on YouTube, do remember to hit like, subscribe, and share. But also, if you're here on YouTube, I can't always trust YouTube. Who knows? I might get taken down again someday. So check out the other platforms I'm on. I'm on Facebook Live. I do live stream to Twitter via Periscope. I'm also on DLive. I'm on Twitch. Just take a look around. You'll find me. I'm also audio only on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and pretty much any other platform that you like to find me on. Now, if you want to help out the show in another way, you can hit up the sponsor Ledin.io down below. Um, uh, you can also check out uh, picking up a hardware wallet at Ledger in the show notes. Or if you really loved what you saw, you can always drop me a Lightning Network tip at my tippin.me page. That is tippin.me slash at BTC Sessions. And with that, I am out. Have yourselves a wonderful weekend, I suppose. And I will see you next time for your daily session.